Right now at Kohl's, it's the last-minute gift sale. Take an extra 20% off and save on kitchen must-haves. Get 25% off toys and get 20% off fragrance gift sets. Plus, get Kohl's cash. Plus, fast and free store pickup. Still not sure what to get? Our gift cards are always a great idea. Give with all your heart. Shop Kohl's and Kohl's.com. Select styles. 20% offer valid December 21st through December 24th with promo code RECEIVE20. Offers and coupons do not apply to toys and beauty. Some exclusions apply. See store or Kohl's.com for details. Curling fans, you've come to the one place with everything you need involving USA Curling and more. It's the Extra Extra In podcast with the 12th In Sports Network and hosts Price Atkinson and Joe Calabrese. Get ready for everything you need to know. News, interviews, points of view, and club spotlights. Anything involving USA Curling can be found here. It's the Extra Extra In podcast with the 12th In Sports Network. Now, here are Price and Joe. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 16 of the Extra Extra End Podcast. I'm Joe Calabrese, and in this episode, it's going to be priceless. That's because my co-host, Price Atkinson, is enjoying a much-deserved vacation. We plugged the gap with not one, but two substitute co-hosts. Let me welcome Mark Beyer and Sean Murray to the podcast. Welcome, fellas. Hey, Joe. Hey, Joe. How are you doing? Great, guys. Uh, Mark is a member of the St. Paul Curling Club and Sean of the Four Seasons Curling Club. And Sean is headed to the U.S. Mixed National Championships as skip of Team GLCA. Mark and Sean, let me run down for our listeners what we have on tap for this episode of the podcast. In our first segment, we're going to go and recap the action from this past weekend at the Golden Wrench in Arizona. Then we're going to go into detail about the women's side of the USA Curling Nationals, which start next weekend on usacurl.org. Then we're going to talk with one of the women skips of the event, Stephanie Seneker. I'm very excited to have her back on the podcast. Then in our final segment, we will preview the men's side of U.S. Nationals and tell you what you can look forward to as we pack up shop and head to Kalamazoo. So guys, let's get to it. This past weekend, the Coyotes Curling Club hosted the Golden Wrench Classic with one of the best fields on U.S. soil. We talk all things USA Curling, but taking a look at the results, besides Rich Ruinen and Pete Fenson, not much could happen for the U.S. teams at the event. What can we take away from what happened in Arizona, Mark? Well, I noticed uh, uh, Todd Burr was one of the teams that was there too, and uh, you know they didn't they finished one and three and had a disappointing finish. Uh, but I think it's worth noting that uh, they didn't have their full team that's going to be competing at nationals. Uh, Greg Johnson was uh, not there, and they picked up Kevin Burr. Uh, so everybody, uh, Tom O'Connor and Hunter Clausen moved up a spot. So they were curling out of position and not with their team. So I don't know how much you take from that, but, you know, I think it was cert- certainly the experience is good, not the results they wanted, but it's, it is worth noting that, that that wasn't their full team. And Sean, uh, Team Ruinen finished with a hard-fought loss to Reed Carruthers and an extra end in the semifinals, but they had a really good run prior to that game. Sean, Team Ruinen finished with a hard-fought loss to Reed Carruthers in an extra end, but they had run the table prior to that game. They look really ready for a run at Kalamazoo, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. That That's a team full of competitors from Richie down down uh, to Colin and Greg. And, you know, the, the whole team is always ready to go. They've, they they want to repeat, I can tell you right now. They absolutely want to repeat. They want to play well. Richie's always a competitor, always making shots, always always having a good time, too. So, uh, regardless of their result, you know, whether they, you know, had won it or went over or, you know, came very close to winning, actually, they were always going to be a factor in Kalamazoo. I expect nothing less. 
And let's congratulate Team Carruthers for their win in that event. It was really great to have that event on TESN. Each year, uh, the uh, Coyotes Curling Club reach out to us and make sure that we get it on our website, and we're really happy to have them. So, guys, let's turn our attention now to the U.S. Nationals in Kalamazoo starting on February 9th. The schedule is finally out, uh, and you'll be able to find each game that we're going to be featuring on TESN on our website, on Facebook, and on Twitter. Sean, are there any particular matchups that you're looking forward to? Well, I will say uh, right out of the gate in the first men's draw, uh, you're going to have, you know, some guy named John Schuster just won an Olympic gold medal. You know, that team, we all know who that is. They're going to be coming out of the gate and taking on the uh, Strauss rink, who was the uh, discretionary junior HP selection into this field and just recently finished third at junior nationals. Uh, They may have been a little bit surprised to get that uh, pick. Maybe thought that the runner-up from Junior Nationals may have been picked. But as it is, they're going to be thrown right into the fire against Schuster. And I think that could be an interesting game. We'll see how Schuster responds to it, see how Team Strauss responds to coming out against, you know, arguably one of the best teams in the country, if not the world. You know, I think if I'm Team Strauss, I'm probably hoping would have hoped for that matchup right out of the gate, you know, getting them out on an, like, an edge sheet on sheet a uh, early in the event. Maybe they can uh, catch them off guard. You never know. Uh, Absolutely. Mark, what about you? What are you looking forward to? As far as matchups that I am looking forward to on the women's side, it has to be uh, Roth and Sinclair. Of course, uh, those two teams played in the Olympic trials finals last year. They're very familiar with each other. They've played each other a lot of times. They know each other very well. Just looking at uh, how they fared against each other this year, I think they played against each other twice, and uh, Sinclair won both matchups 2-0, to zero, including a 9-0 to zero victory at, uh, I believe it's Kromosabi Classic. So, you know, there's the, uh, Nina's team has a score to settle there, uh, but, of course, Jamie's team, having uh, lost in a very close finals last year in the Olympic trials, I think is out for some, uh, has a score to settle as well. So I, I, anytime Roth and Sinclair play, I think that's always a compelling matchup. Yeah, and that matchup you're going to find right on USA Curl on February 10th at 8 p.m. Eastern time. You know, guys, I think I'm looking forward to uh, the Seneca-Christensen matchup. That's going to be uh, Tuesday at 9 a.m. Eastern time. And, you know, I think uh, as two teams if, are, that are going to be battling for a playoff spot, um, they are definitely uh, headed for a collision course in that matchup. And I think the winner of that game is probably going to make the playoffs. And I don't know if the loser will. I'm not sure. We'll have to see. On the women's side of this field, youth is definitely being served, don't you think? I mean, we have a number of younger teams. Who do you think of these young teams might challenge for a playoff spot? I think the, uh, I don't know if you call them a dark horse or not, but the Duberstein team, I think, is a compelling team. Um, They did well at Junior Nationals and just lost out. They had a nice run. And if you look at their their record against the field here, I think they have a 5-2 and record against the other teams that are in the field. So I think they've, they've fared well against these other teams. And, you know, I kind of see you got your big three and Roth, Sinclair, and Christensen. And then with, as I understand it, there's only uh, three teams that are going to qualify for the playoffs, uh, barring something, some uh, strange results. But if there's three teams, I think those are Roth, Sinclair, and Christensen have to be your three, your three favorites. And if anybody has a chance, a younger team to, to knock them off, I I, I think that Duberstein has a chance to do it. Sean, what do you think about that? Well, for the last couple of years on the women's side of U.S. curling, it's, there's kind of been a de facto big three, as it were, and that's Sinclair, Roth, and Christensen. And they're all, I would probably consider them the prohibitive 
favorites to be top three, but as Mark said, I think uh, the Anne-Marie Duberstein rink can definitely challenge for a playoff spot. And I also absolutely think the Stephanie Seneca rink can. Uh, you know, Stephanie is my third in mixed. And, you know, despite the fact that she herself is only, is only in her eighth year of curling, she has a magnificent mind for the game. And this is a first-year team that played in five events and qualified in three. And, you know, they earned enough points in their first year together to completely bypass the challenge round and come straight to nationals. And one thing about this team is that they played entirely in Ontario. So almost all these U.S. teams probably don't really know them that well and don't really know what they're going to bring to the table. And I think they absolutely can challenge for a playoff spot because the other teams really aren't going to know what they're about. I'm sorry, I was going to add to that, too, that when you look at the, the – the field. I think the the Seneca team is the only, they're the only team in the field on the men's or the women's side that hasn't played any of the other in the field at all during the season. As Sean was saying, they've played several events in Ontario and obviously gotten some good competition against the teams in Ontario. But uh, yeah, they're they're largely an unknown to the. I think just looking at the teams that they've played and the fact that they haven't played any of the other teams in the field at nationals, so they could perhaps sneak up on some teams that uh, that aren't uh, prepared for them. Well, let's talk a little bit about some of those teams that uh, are sort of those prohibitive favorites in the HPP teams that the Sinclair, Roth, and Christensen ranks have made some switches in the offseason uh, in their lineups, and a couple pregnancies have led to even some more changes. How do you think these changes have had an effect on these teams? What do you think, Sean? I don't think it's really affected too much. Um, Team Roth has had a fantastic season uh, despite uh, Eileen giving stepping down to have her baby, which she did, I believe, a month or so ago. Yep. Um, you know, they, they it d- didn't really affect them all that much. And I think I would observe, too, that I think in both cases with uh, Roth, you have uh, Tara Peterson there now in, in for Eileen, and obviously that's Tabitha's sister. So very familiar to the to the team. I think they, uh, it's not like you're bringing in a, a total stranger here to the team, and they're, they've been curling with each other for a long time as it is, and same thing on the – and the Sinclair team with having uh, two Anderson sisters on there now, I think there it's just there's a high level of familiarity, and I don't I don't see it as being as that big of a factor. Okay, so these teams that I'm looking at their World Curling Tour records this year: Sinclair's uh, 21 and 30 this year, Roth 27 and 21, and Christensen 14 and 14. Now that's sort of mixed results there. I mean, you know, Roth had a pretty is having a pretty good season. I would say Sinclair's probably have a little disappointing season uh, compared to what they had done last year. And, and Christensen, probably about what they had done previously. But who do you think really has the advantage of these three teams going to Nationals? It's sort of been 1A, 1B, and 1C. Um, is, is there any particular favorite, do you think? I, I don't know. I, w- I was just looking at some trends, and I, I would give Roth the edge currently. She's made two Grand Slam semis. So she, she's the most recently played in just a couple weeks ago, the, the Slam up in a, a North Battleford. So I, I, she's she's on a roll. I think she's curling very well as I look at the Sinclair rink it looks like their their uh, last event was in mid-December and the last two games they were outscored two to 22 and that was a long time ago and that's say they can certainly bounce back but they they, uh, they had some uh, rough luck there so I don't know just looking at that and then Christensen she had to be she had some very impressive wins at the beginning of the season some pretty uh, having beaten Einerson, Flurry. Terenzoni and Chelsea Carey, she's got some really impressive victories. But a lot of that, likewise, was uh, towards the beginning of the year. So as far as who's been playing best 
uh, who has the hottest hand most recently, I give the edge to Nina Rothstein. Okay, and so let's talk about Seneca. Sean, you talked about uh, Stephanie and her team. I, I consider this team very high on talent, and their team chemistry is just about as good as I can imagine any team's chemistry being. I mean, is this sort of the experience you have in, in playing with Stephanie and Amelia? Uh, oh, absolutely. They just nothing that those two do that doesn't involve fun, at least in my experience. They just, they, when they're competing, they're out there to do a job. And I think that permeates through the entire team. I mean, even when they picked me up from the airport in Detroit to go down to play our mixed regional last weekend, they had a team call in the car on the whole way down. Very businesslike. I mean, you know, yeah, they're a new team, but they've already got everybody's responsibilities surrounded. Um, let's settle this. Let's settle that. I mean, they they know what they're doing, and they're not playing around. And and that combined with uh, you know the will to win, the fact that they are one of five teams in women's field that can go to worlds if they win nationals. They're serious. Yeah, I mean, they have a very interesting team dynamic for sure, and and they very interesting team makeup. I mean, they have a five-person team. One player's in their teens, the other's in their 20s, another in their 30s, another one in their 40s, and another one in their 50s. And I'm not going to even talk <laughs> about their coach, who's Clark Raven of the Rochester Curling Club. I think we, we <laughs> guess how old he might be. Um, but, you know, they, yeah. they, they are just an unusual combination. They've put, they've put themselves together. They are not an HPP team. They've, they put themselves together in this formation, and they seem to be performing at a really high level. And uh, I, I'm actually looking forward to seeing what they can do uh next weekend uh in the week after that so sean I, I know we've talked about how you've competed in a few of these uh national championships both in the men's and in mixed what do you think it's going to be like for one of these players who's maybe competing for the first time are there are there butterflies what what should they be expecting well there, there will definitely be butterflies um you know certainly at an event like this i mean you know playing in a U.S. national championship in an arena with seats all around you. That's a little bit different than, you know, that's a little bit more high profile than a, a mixed national that I played a bunch of. I've, I've only been in one's men's nationals, but the first time it's, it's just about trying to remember that it's just curling at the end of the day. It is just curling. You still got to just play the shots, not worry about who you're playing. And that's oftentimes easier said than done. I would say it's as much about just finding a rhythm to settle into and just, you know, trying to forget the, the spectacle as it were to forget the spectacle, all this extra stuff going on, try to just hone in on the processes that hopefully your team has developed and sharpened throughout the year and just let that take you where it may. And just really just do your best. So one of the teams trying to, you know, kind of, focus on the things that they can control and, and block out the things that they can't control as team Traxler. Um, they were eight and 10 on tour this year and they made some noise late in the season. They were a semifinalist at junior nationals, um, but they seem to be at least from the outside, in my perspective, a, a bit of a mystery. I don't know that much about them. Um, what do we know about them? Do we know much at all? The, the, the skip aerial Traxler is originally from Alaska. They've got Emily Quello and Susan Dutt. Susan Dutt originating from Philly, Philadelphia. Uh, Quello, I believe, is from Minnesota. Uh, but looking at their lineup, I didn't recognize the other two players, Rogers and Mullaney. Um, I know Quello and Dutt have been on the uh, the junior scene for a few years now, and I think Traxler has been too. Beyond that, uh, I 
they're, they're not all that familiar to me either, but that also tells me that they might not be all that familiar to the other teams they'll be, they'll be playing as well. And that, that does count for something. Yeah, I would just add too to that. that it's, I think they're a relative unknown in the in the curling world, but just looking at the teams they have played this year uh, that are in the field, they beat uh, they have a one and zero record against Rhyme, lost to Podal zero and one, and lost to Duberstein zero and two. So they have a one and three record. So they have played some teams, and they uh, you know they they certainly have to be considered a long shot in this field. All right, well let's get down to, pr- to predictions here on the women's side. Uh, I'm going to ask you for your playoff teams first. So that's three teams, three teams that you think are going to make the playoffs. Let's start with Mark. Who do you think is going to make it? Well, we referred to the big three before, and if, if there's three spots, I think it's if for anybody to be uh, to beat out Roth, Sinclair, and Christensen, I think it would be considered an upset. So not a, I'm not exactly going out on a limb here, but if you're asking me for my predictions, I'm going to go with Roth, Sinclair, and Christensen. I, I do believe they're the prohibitive favorite, and I would be surprised if uh, one of the other teams knocked them out. All right, so chalk for Mark. Sean, what do you think? Well, um, I I do think I can say with pretty com- pretty good confidence about two of them. I will for sure go with Roth and Sinclair in the playoffs. I think the third playoff spot will basically be a coin flip between Christensen and Seneca, and I think it's going to come down to who wins their round robin game. Okay. So, two teams the same, one different. Uh, I'm going to go two teams the same and one different uh, myself. I, I'm going with Roth, Christensen, and then I'm going to go with Seneca. I, I believe in this team. I believe in their team chemistry. I think it might be um, their time this time to uh, break through. And uh, so, that I'm going to go with Roth, Christensen, and Seneca. All right. So, now we have to pick two teams now for the finals. Uh, so, of your three, who, are you, who do you think are going to make the finals? Again, I think I think we're gonna have a rematch of uh, the the Olympic trials finals, and I'm gonna go with uh, Roth and Sinclair. Uh, at, at at risk of sounding boring, um, I believe at the end of the day, the experience of uh, having played together for years will probably serve teams Roth and Sinclair the best. Uh, so I would probably put those two in the final. Okay, I am going to pick. Christensen and Seneca for the finals. I think Roth is going to get upset by Christensen. Wow. I think Seneca is going to right. going to get uh, to the point where they are a uh, finalist. So let's uh, now. Now, who's going to be your winner now, Mark? You got Roth and um, I'm sorry, Roth and Sinclair. Who do you think is going to win? Again, I think it's going to be a pretty close match, but I I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Roth. Okay. Well, d- just. Just to be contrarian, because I like to be contrarian, I'm going to go with Sinclair. Okay, so we got Roth, Sinclair, and now you got to guess what I'm going to do. I'm going with Christensen. So yeah, we've, <laughs> we, have, we have definitely decided on nothing. But I'll tell you what, yeah. I, I actually have a very high opinion of Vicki Persinger's uh, game. And I, I actually think that her moving to that team is going to make an enormous difference in the result for Christensen in this, in this go-round. And I think that they're going to be the uh, victor and go to Worlds. There you have it. You know, it sounds like we're going to have quite the women's field and we don't have a consensus on a favorite. So it's probably anybody's event to win. So coming up in our next segment, I have my interview with Skip of uh, Team Seneca. That's Stephanie Seneca. Then Mark, Sean and I are going to return with our look at the men's field at the 2019 USA Curling Nationals. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Extra Extra End. It's Joe Calabrese. And uh, for our interview this week, we have a skip going to 
uh, U.S. Nationals next week in Kalamazoo, Michigan. It's Stephanie Seneker. Welcome, Stephanie. How you doing? Hi. Thanks for having me, Joe. Doing great. How about yourself? Pretty good. Trying to stay warm uh, in the polar vortex. How is it out there in <laughs> Michigan? In, I'm in the same boat. My house is a balmy 65 degrees, which I'm grateful for because it's it's not that outside at all. In fact, it's on the opposite side of zero from that. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not not very nice, but it's going to get better soon. Yeah, it's it's pretty cold out here in Rochester, so uh, I, I think you guys are maybe making a trip out this way soon. So uh, pack uh, some extra some bl- extra blankets. So let's start off real quick. Just maybe you can just tell me a little bit about your own uh, curling background and maybe uh, a quick uh, introduction of your team before we get into it too too much. Okay, um, my curling background starts at Kalamazoo in March of 2010. That's when I learned to curl. Right during the nationals, there did a learn to curl and got hooked. So I curled there for about four years, and then after about a year of curling, I started going to Sarnia for practice ice. I wanted to get better, and we didn't have any ice available at Kalamazoo for that. So I was doing both for a while, and now I just curl primarily at Sarnia. Um, get down to Kalamazoo and I can occasionally to throw rocks and catch up with everybody. But uh, yeah, so I'm an arena Nash, arena ice background, <laughs> and then I moved to dedicated. Um, Amelia, that, uh, I'm sorry, real quick that that uh, the drive between Sarnia and, and Kalamazoo or that general area is not a short one either. It's a pretty good drive, right? That's yeah. Uh, Kalamazoo to Sarnia is three hours, and I where I grew up in Perry um, is almost halfway between. So it's about an hour and a half in either direction. Wow. That's something. All right. So you're going to tell us a little bit about the rest of your team. Go right ahead. Sorry. Yeah, no worries. Um, actually, I should start with Maya, our lead. She's currently at Kalamazoo at Western Michigan University. So she's having a her first year of college, and this is her first uh, experience on a women's competitive curling team, too. So she's been real busy. And she curls juniors. She's <laughs> a very avid curler. And has been growing for several years now, but she's she's great. We love having her on the team, and um, she's had her own success at Skip as well as a junior. So she brings a lot to the table. She's a great sweeper. She's a good thinker. She's she's fabulous. So we're really lucky to have picked her up. Um, Amelia curled with myself at the 2015 Nationals. We played with Debbie McCormick, which was a great experience. Um, Amelia's our a lifelong second she'll tell you that herself <laughs> that's, that's her happy place she's fantastic high energy high intensity player and and a great person to have on the team also a chef so she knows all the good places to eat so she has everything covered off the ice as well and our vice rebecca i met her at mixed nationals after playing against her and she was a free agent which was lucky for us she's an engineer so she's another good brain to have on the team good sweeper athletic and really even keel and great to have in the house during the, the course of the game. So it's been really good playing with her. And Elizabeth Demers is our fabulous alternate who's going to be with us all week at Nationals. We're really excited for that. Um, she's quite the reader. She works at a publishing company. So she's uh, at U of M Press in Ann Arbor. She's, she's a great person to have on board as well. So we're quite the mix in all different ages as well. Yeah, actually, uh, Clark Raven, your coach, mentioned to me, and and I, I noted this in the in the beginning part of this podcast, is that you have a one teammate in their teens, one in their twenties, one in their thirties, one in their forties, and one in their fifties. Yep. And then I didn't want to mention Clark's yeah. age because I figured that would be just rude. Um, at any rate, uh, <laughs> your road to national is kind of unique that you didn't come up through juniors. You actually started out in an arena club, you know. So 
talk to me a little bit about maybe what the advantages might be of that. Yeah, it's it's kind of a two sided path. Um, I think one one advantage that I did gain from that is learning to deal with suboptimal ice conditions <laughs> and all kinds of stuff that maybe mm-hmm. if you're used to playing at a dedicated club and particularly one dedicated club, you know, you're comfortable with your own ice, but you, there's some things in an arena club that are pretty hard to, to teach, <laughs> to deal with and that you, that you get used to S curves and moguls and strange falls. So it, actually, I think it was an advantage of learning how to read ice because good dedicated ice was really easy after playing on arena ice. Yeah. So, um, yeah. It's just like, you can put the broom down. It's going to do the same thing every time. It's really weird. So that's kind of cool. <laughs> um, as far as disadvantages, I think the main disadvantage for uh, an arena club or a curler in an arena club is is the lack of of ice time. Um, a lot of arena clubs, because they're renting from a facility, only rent you know a couple hours at a time just for their leagues. They often have to clean stuff up after the league. They can't leave the rocks out. Don't leave the hacks out. So it means that you really don't get a chance to throw you know extra stones to get better. You're just playing league you know a few times a week most likely, and and that's it that's changed at Kalamazoo since they've kind of become a sort of a dedicated facility within the hockey arena, which is good for the club. It gives everybody a chance to use the ice time uh, more throughout the week. But that would be one disadvantage I'd say is just a lack of, of practice and ice time. Since your team is, is sort of from all over, you're not all together um, and you hadn't really mm-hmm. played together before this year, you've had a lot of success this season. Maybe you can talk a little bit about maybe your team dynamics that sort of led to that success. Yeah, it's been a really good season for us, and we don't get to see each other all that often. We've gotten to have a few practice weekends between events, but it's mostly a kind of learn as you go during the events. And I think a big part of that is just, and we sort of knew coming in, we kind of selected each each other um, highly based on, on personality and fit right off the get-go. And we knew, it's like, okay, we're all pretty even keel. We're really you know objective. We just want to get better. We're good at communicating with each other. You know, everybody, there's never going to be a problem on the ice with, you know, someone not talking to somebody or taking something the wrong way. And we all just treat it basically like a giant science experiment. We're all, we're pretty much all in the laboratory trying to figure this thing out. So we'll do something, observe what happens, and then talk about it. And it's just doing that over and over and over again. And it's worked out really well for us. We've just treated everything just like, okay, we're just going to do this, see what happens, and move on. And we're all competitive and we want to do well, but at the same time, you know, we understand like there's only so much you can control and we're going to do our best to refine, you know, our processes as we go. But for a first year team, I think just the fact that our personalities have been such an easy fit, that's, that's made a big difference and has really helped us along the way. So uh, tell me, I mean, you, you've skipped all the U.S. events this season and you focused <clears throat> your, uh, your schedule on Canada. Why did you do that? Yeah, there are a couple of reasons. Um, first off, geographically, it was more convenient for us. Four of our players are in Michigan. We have one in New York with Rebecca, and our coach is in Rochester, New York as well. So Southern Ontario kind of made sense uh, from a traveling standpoint. And also there are a lot of events throughout the season. Uh, and Southern, Southwestern Ontario is really rich in, in good curling events, good tour events, all the way from the end of August to early December. And they have a lot of really good teams anywhere in you know, like the top 60, top 40, and some top 20 teams in the world uh, are competing in that region. So it's a good chance for us to get into a variety of, of spiels, some with tougher fields, some with 
maybe less you know challenging fields, but still a good experience. And uh, we were able to pick up a lot of points, and and it was really good. We didn't have to book any flights this year, which has never that's happened in my curling career. So that's that's the big advantage of curling there for us, as opposed to going say to Minnesota for some of the fields that happen out there. It's just the cost of four or five flights, round trip and hotel. Just you know, it wasn't as as rewarding, I guess, for us as it would be to just drive, you know, all of us into Ontario, stay at an Airbnb and play against some good competition there. So, you know, talking about, you know, just that travel, I mean, you're out on the on the road, uh, traveling in a car with your teammates. Are there any great stories or antics that have happened out there? Ooh, antics. There are always antics. This is the problem. There's so much that it's hard to pick one out because <laughs> there, there are always little moments. I'm trying to think if there have been any, any big antic moments i think if this counts as antics there was a situation in kitchener uh waterloo when we played in the kw Hall classic um we managed somehow allegedly to get a 100 plus dollar meal for free because there was a language barrier incident at a dumpling place we had literally the best food we have ever eaten in our lives and went to pay and um, the gentleman there insisted that, oh, no, you're good to go. You know, ran the credit card. You're fine. And multiple attempts were made to to let him know, like, no, it's, I don't think that we're good. I think it says declined and he wouldn't, wouldn't let us attempt to pay again. So we left. <laughs> so maybe the- uh, that's the meal of our lives. And that's, that's the running joke because we had the best dumplings we've ever eaten in our lives and we could never go back. So maybe that initial hashtag of, you know, get that bread could have been get that, get those dumplings. I don't know. Get that dough or something. Yeah, something I don't like know. That. Yeah. We, we could have weaseled that in there somehow, but yeah, that was, that was hilarious. <laughs> but, so but speak- there's always, there are always little things. So speaking of hashtags, uh, what does yeast it mean? <laughs> Maya's responsible for this one. Um, as the, the youngest one on the team, she's much more up on like the, the Snapchat world and all the uh, the trending hashtags. So, so yeah, to be kind of linguistic about it, uh, yeast it derives from yeet it, which is I think Y double E T. Um, yeet it, which is not something I've ever been familiar with in my life. But again, this is Maya's fault. Um, so apparently, that means it's it's a a trending term to mean like to give. I think like really give it your all at you know, whatever it is you're doing, like give your, your best effort and like your heart and soul into whatever you're doing or something. Um, so that got transformed into yeast it because we were talking about like we somehow merged yeet it with like get that bread or let's get this bread, which is another trending thing. Just like, you know, get get the dough, get the money, you know, do whatever it is you're doing. So we mesh the two together into yeast it. Now we have an excuse to use as many bread-related puns as possible for the rest of the season. Great, I like it. I like it. So, you've been you have been uh, getting that bread uh, so far this season. You qualified for a few yeah. events uh, early on, and that meant that you didn't have to uh, play the challenge round in order to get into nationals. What would it mean mm-hmm. for your for your team, which uh, is a non-HPP team, to go out there and actually win this thing? It would, I mean, it would be huge for, for us and, and for everybody, you know, any team that's, you know, out on tour, who's not part of, you know, the program of funded teams. I think that would be a really big thing to see one of the non-funded teams win. It would be huge for us. Um, We know that it's possible. We certainly believe that it's possible. We have, 
you know, the skill to do it and, and the will to do it. It's just a matter of putting all the shots together, together. but I think it would be a, a really big deal. You know, if people are on both sides of, of the fence as far as you know, whether they're for the HP program or, or if they don't like it. And regardless, I think it would be, it would be really big for sort of a more grassroots, maybe formed team to come together and do that. It would be huge. You know, uh, when you're out at nationals, you know, it's not very easy to win all your games. You know, even at the club level, winning 70% of your games is probably pretty good. So how are you going to deal with adversity if you come out there and, and you get a loss or two right off the bat? Yeah, for sure. We, we know we're not perfect. No team is perfect. And, and we're, you know, a newer team, too. So we're still working stuff out. And we've experienced losses this season and, and managed to bounce back in different events. Mainly it's just to stay, stay loose and, we, and, you know, parse out why those losses happen. And learn from them i mean again we're just that's how we approach everything we try to be as objective as possible and as scientific as possible and kind of pick things apart and then figure out the root of the problem and, and work to improve from there but we're a pretty positive team overall there's a lot of joking and smiling and little things that go on that that keep us up and i always try to maintain you know a positive posture and outlook no matter what's going on even if it's like well we get to draw against seven you know <laughs> that's that's how it's going to be but uh that's but it's all good, and, and we're just we're a pretty even keel team. We don't get real up or real down. So that sounds like one of the strengths I would think for your team. You know, what individual skills you know are are your team members bringing to the table, and and what are their spirit animals? So you take a skill and a spirit animal. This is an Amelia question, just so Ooh. you know. How how did I guess? <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, well we'll go from the top down. We'll start with Maya. Um, Maya brings a lot of things. Like I said, she's she's intelligent. She's you know a good good player all around. She's sees the game really well, sweeps well, throws well. So she's got a lot of smarts and also a lot of physical abilities and, and good energy. And then occasionally she'll do something pretty goofy. So I'm gonna say that her spirit animal is a horse. Okay. Um, Amelia is a self declared ox. She's the ox. She's the workhorse. Just wants to put her head down and sweep or or getting a hack and throw. I would also sprinkle a little bit of squirrel in there too. She's, <laughs> she's kind of random sometimes, but it's good. Very energetic, very intense. So it's a matter of if it's like the ox energy or if it's the squirrel energy and you see different ones come out. It's more like ox on the ice and squirrel off the ice. Okay. She adds a lot of energy to the team. Rebecca, very intelligent, very analytical. Um, also, you know, good physical player, too, but has a good mind for, for everything on and off the ice, too. So I would give her the fox. She's, okay. she's clever. Yeah, I would give her the fox. I like that. Thinker. And uh, myself, this is going to be weird. I like to think I'm like kind of a cerebral type, but I'm also really goofy. So I'm, I'm somewhere in like the owl to monkey range. I'm kind of a wild card sometimes. <laughs> I'm a little out there, but I, I'll i try to be the brains of the outfit as best as I can be. But yeah, it's it's a little one way or the other. And Elizabeth, I, I would give Tiger, maybe specifically like Crouching Tiger, because she's she's in the background kind of as the alternate, but she's very powerful. And you'll, you, know, you might not notice her as much as the rest of us, but then when she's out there, you're going to notice her. She's a force to be reckoned with, so she can be the tiger. Very good. You know, with this collection of animals, it's a good thing that you're heading to the zoo next week. So, <laughs> right? 
I want to thank you very much for uh, rejoining us. Uh, repeat visitor to the podcast this season. Uh, thanks so much, Stephanie Seneker, and good luck to you and your team next week in Kalamazoo. Uh, we'll be back with more preview of the men's field of U.S. Nationals when we come back right after this. And we're back with the Extra Extra End with my co-host Sean Murray and Mark Beyer. It's Joe Calabrese, the Godfather. We're going to take a quick look at the men's field at USA Curling Nationals, which starts on February 9th. So, guys, we talked a little bit on the women's side that it was sort of like the coming out party maybe for some young teams. And on the men's side, without Craig Brown or Pete Fenson and Heater McCormick playing, are there any young teams on the men's side that you have your eyes on this week? Yeah, I think that the Dunham team uh, jumps out at me as a as a younger team that I think is could could make some noise. Uh, I think they could challenge for the fourth. I think we got like with the women's field, you have the I think you have a your big three on the on the men's side. You got Schuster, Ruin, and Fenn, and I think or Fenner, excuse me, are going to be your uh, top three favorites. And then it's kind of a who's going to who's going to challenge for that fourth playoff spot. And I I like Dunham. I mean, he's uh he's one of the after the those top three. Dunham and Burr are the only two teams that have winning records against the rest of the field. He's got a four and three record and playing well. And I just looking at his, uh, he's one of the, is it the five teams that could uh, qualify for worlds if he's uh, with a, I think he's a 78 uh, order of merit finish. So if he wins nationals, uh, he could make it the world. So, excuse me, uh, he's got enough points. Excuse me, he's, that's not this order of merit, but he, he does have enough points to uh, to qualify. So I, uh, I like Dunham. All right, Sean, what do you think? Well, uh, I would agree with uh, Dunham being one of the young teams that's going to kind of, you know, show up and make some noise. Uh, I could also call Fenner a young team. They are, but they aren't because those four guys have plenty of experience playing together. So they're young in terms of age, but actually very well seasoned in terms of uh, just playing together. In this field, it's actually only there's only four teams that could potentially go to Worlds, and that's Dunham, Fenner, Ruin, and Schuster. Uh, team team Burr, team Burr, it might surprise to know, actually is not quite high enough either in points or in standings to go to Worlds. All right, so Team Schuster is back this year after taking last year's Nationals off after the Olympic gold medal. And after the climb, cli- after climbing the mountain last season, how motivated do you think that they're going to be going into this week? That's a good question. I think the, the whirlwind that they've been on, having won the Olympics in uh all this, all the off-ice uh, stuff that's uh, occupied them uh, has been. You have to think it's been at least somewhat of a challenge, but they've maintained a pretty uh, heavy schedule of curling, nevertheless, and a lot of slams and uh, international competitions that they've been in. And so, uh, but to, yeah, to get back to the nationals, I, I'm not too concerned about their ability to, to focus. I mean, I think they've they've been to enough nationals, they've been to enough competitions, they realize what's at stake. Uh, I think that they can. You know, Sean was talking earlier about it's, it's in the end of the day, it's just it's just curling. I mean, that's what they know. That's what they do. So I'm not too concerned about their ability to kind of get the motivation level up to compete at the Nationals. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. I mean, even after winning the gold medal and, you know, some folks might worry about a gold medal hangover. Uh, they've kept up a really busy schedule. They've still played well enough this year to be currently sitting at 12th in the world on the order of merit rankings. So clearly they're still having a great season. They don't appear to me to have really missed a beat uh, with Chris Plies taking over for Tyler George. Um, and, you know, they're, they're still team Schuster. There's, they're still defending gold, gold medalists. And uh, they're still an extremely dangerous team anytime. 
Well, and, and all the excitement in the Team Schuster Gold at the Olympics, people sometimes, I think, forget that the reigning U.S. champions are actually Team Ruinen or Team Persinger, whoever, whoever we're going to call the skip this week. Um, but uh, they have a 32-13 and 13 record this season on tour. How do you like their chances to repeat? Yeah, but frankly, it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me at all if Rich's team and or Persinger Ruinen pulls it off. I mean, they... They had a, went on a pretty impressive run uh, nationals last year. They've had, a, as you mentioned, Joe, a very good uh, season on tour this year. I think they 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 won the Carl Masabi Classic, and I know a lot of the same teams that they're going to see at nationals were at that event, including Schuster, and they uh, they won that. So they're they're playing well. They just they did well at the Golden Wrench. Uh, you know, there's no shame in losing to a team like Carruthers, one of the best teams in the world, and it was you know pretty close game that they lost and as I what I read on social media there was some tough ice there so uh, they're 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 curling well and it absolutely would not surprise me at all uh, they're like Sean was saying before very competitive team they they don't like to lose and Richie's a, a great great skip so I think they got a, a decent chance of uh, knocking off Schuster I would definitely agree one thing you never have to worry about any team with Richie ruining on it is uh, how competitive they're going to be. You know they're going to be competitive. This is a team that's put a lot of work in together the last few years to get to be the finely tuned machine they are now. And, you know, they're not going to miss a beat. I mean, you've got, you know, possibly the best brusher in the country and Colin Huffman throwing second. I mean, he can do things with rocks that most, you know, living humans can't. And uh, But then the interesting thing with this team is I wonder what uh, – extra little oomph is going to be brought to the team by their newly designated fifth, a guy named Jared Allen. Yeah, that was an interesting story this past week that uh, Jared Allen got picked up by this team and um, Michael Roos got picked up by another. Um, you know, what do you think about that? With uh, respect to Jared, and uh, he's certainly uh, made, been, uh, made a name for himself, that whole team, the, the, the four NFLers, and with Jared Allen being on Team Ruinen and Michael Roos being on Team Burr, Certainly bringing some attention to the sport, and I think the the, the the there's not without his controversy though. I think adding, basically, you know, first year curlers uh, now competing at nationals, and you know whether you have to wonder if uh, you know Phil Tilker pulls a hamstring, is are they going to stick Jared Allen out there, uh, or is it you know is it truly something that they're serious about? But I think from as a team perspective, the the Allen team is very serious about uh, competing, but. It, is, it was very, I think it raised a few eyebrows when uh, we saw that they were added as fifth men and uh, questioning whether or not that's, they're truly there for their curling ability. I personally would opine that it's unlikely that we'll see either of these guys actually hit the ice up there. I think the whole idea is to expose them to the atmosphere of nationals. I mean, that considering they've now been curling for uh, just shy of 10 months, it's the idea is just to expose them to the type of atmosphere that they're going to need to thrive in to achieve their goals, which are extremely lofty goals. You know, to Mark, to answer your theoretical question, if Tilker pulls a hamstring or something, would they bring Allen into play? Maybe, but I would be, I would more expect they'd probably just play with three and uh, let, let uh, Jared, um, soak in the atmosphere because that's the year for those guys being there i think yeah i think it's a great thing for for jared and michael to kind of get exposed to that atmosphere and, and learn a little bit more about what it really takes at that level 
you know, all the things that are done off the ice as well as, you know, on the ice. I know that they've had some exposure to that through John Benton, but um, it's another thing actually going through it, I would think. Um, and we will talk about teams playing with three in just a minute, but uh, we'll come back to that um, in a minute. But one of the great stories um, coming into this year is is Todd Berg going through the challenge round to qualify for nationals. He recently had surgery in November and had two ribs removed, but it doesn't seem to bother him in terms of qualifying. Um, how do you like Todd's chances of making the playoffs? I think he's got a decent chance. Um, you know, he's certainly got the experience. He's probably with the probably the oldest skip in the field, and he was you know, 2007 national champ and world bronze medalist in 2007. He's, you know, having had two ribs removed, you might think that that would set him back, but he's, you know, he's been back on the ice and he's been curling and 3-0 and record right through the A flight at the uh, challenge round and uh, really didn't have any problems qualifying. So uh, from a, you know, health perspective, it wouldn't seem that the, the surgery has had that big of an impact on him, or at least he's been able to recover. And I just like his, the experience that he brings to the table, competing for that, I think, that we're, you know, the fourth spot there. He's uh, He's got a, just as good a chance of any team, I think, to rely on his, his experience, if nothing else. I mean, he's been there before. He's a cool, crafty veteran, and I would give him a, a very good chance to, to claim that fourth playoff spot. Yeah, I think anyone who has played the men's game for any length of time in the U.S. knows that if there is one skip that you never, ever, ever go to sleep on or underestimate, it's Todd Burr. Because it doesn't matter the game situation. It doesn't matter how high it is, how low it is. He is, is, he is cool, calm, collected, and he will come back and beat you no matter what. He's very patient, as Mark said, very crafty. You know, he had the surgery. He was out for uh, a month or a month or so, uh, came back, was throwing, felt real good right away. He's pretty much fully recovered by now. Uh, I didn't see any slowdown whatsoever in his shot making ability or anything at the challenge round. I mean, they went through undefeated and just looked as, you know, firing on all cylinders as can be. So definitely a contender for the playoffs. No question. Well, I'd certainly like to see that happen. That'd be fun. Um, Last year, the Dunham Rink uh, were just on the short end of the stick a few times in some really tight games. With another year of experience, do you see them having a chance to kind of make it over the hump and, and kind of catapult themselves into the next level? Yeah, I mean, I think they've got the same before. I think they're uh, just as good of a chance as anybody. I think they, uh, again, the, I, from my view, it comes down to Burr and Dunham, kind of a, a coin toss to who's going to claim that fourth spot after Schuster, Ruin, and, and Fenner for the top three playoff spots. I think it's a, I like Dunham and Burr to, to battle for that last spot. You know, they've, they've got a winning record against the field and I, I like their chances. Yeah. I, th- I think uh, the Dunham team has a couple of years under their belts. Now um, they played, you know, last year, I think was their first year together. I could be mistaken about that, but um, they definitely, I, I think they're a very unassuming team. I think folks look at that team and they think, oh, okay, yeah, sure, you know, they're fine. But they they make a lot of shots and they really they they put the screws to teams and, and I, you know, I saw them do it in a couple of spiels this year. They were out for the U.S. Open, and, you know, they they played well there, so they can definitely be in the conversation and uh, you know playoffs definitely within the realm of possibility for this team. Still. Uh, things for them to do to to move up into maybe the elite tier but they're definitely on their way up they're moving up 
I'd say an interesting thing I'll add about them too is my understanding that there there's the the Red Square Classic is going on uh, this weekend, and that that I believe they're competing in that. And actually, Hunter Clausen is on their team for the from Team Burr is is competing with them this week at that. So I think it's an interesting dynamic that the week before nationals, they're they're off there doing that with Hunter. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's what I was that. told. I, I was told that a couple of weeks ago. So I, I assume that to be the, to, to be the I case. think that's right. And and that's a really fun event from what I can gather, uh, just being out in Red Square <laughs> and curling outside. It's, a, it's an interesting yeah. environment, that's for sure. So guys, the last team in this field is getting in as a replacement for Team Stopera, who's heading to Junior Worlds, is Team Corbett. Corbett has a Rochester connection. We all know that I talk about him every episode. Uh, but... Uh, <laughs> Uh, he got he they got in after playing the challenge round for six games or so with playing with only three players. Sean, you were the site chair for the uh, for the qualifier uh, for the challenge round. Excuse me. Tell me a little bit about Team Corbin and what they had to go through to get to nationals. Well, they uh, thing about triple knockouts is it's all about if you lose the wrong game, you're hurting. They ended up losing two of their first three games and found themselves way at the back of the C bracket. And then they had to rattle off. They rattled off five straight wins to get all the way to the C final. And by partway through game number two, uh, their lead, Kent Suslovich, had to pull himself out of the game for uh, an injury, I believe, to his, his hip or something to that effect, something that he's had to be managing all year. Uh, they played a couple of games with just three of them. Kent tried to come back, I believe, midday Saturday or Saturday morning, and he lasted an end and a half and had to pull himself out. And so they had to go pretty much the entire rest of the way playing only three-handed. And, and those games were, was, I'm sorry, those games were back-to-back-to-back to back to back too, right? They weren't like, they, they weren't any breaks in between. Those guys had one draw off all weekend. Yeah. The only draw they did not play a game was Friday at 2 p.m. They played every other draw of the entire event. So they were back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back. And they roared all the way to the C final and lost on the last shot to Jed Brundage. I mean, that's really kind of that's that's doing it the hard way. And then, as it happens, um, the loser of that game was going to be in nationals anyways, as long as either Stapera or Sinnott won juniors. Uh, so Stapera won, created the spot. And there they go. But definitely just based on how much they had to fight, how many games they had to play three-handed. I don't even want to think about how tired Derek and Aaron had to be sweeping all that. But they they earned it, I would say, just as much as any team. Yeah, I was, I was watching that C final, that final against Brundage on the webcam online. And, yeah, I came down, I think it was an extra end, and came down to a measurement. To, and at the time, I, yep. I wasn't for certain – I. The whole uh, Stapera Senate thing, where if one of those, if one of those two teams wins, they were going to go to nationals. But at the time, that that wasn't a certainty. So, um, nope. The the right to go to nationals kind of came down to this measurement in the eleventh end. So it was high drama there, and I was watching it through the webcam. It was good stuff. Absolutely. Um, well, and and you know, we haven't talked about Berkeley's team, but uh, any any thoughts on that team as they uh, enter their uh, their nationals? No, I, I think the Berkeley team could really surprise some people. Um, that's a that's an experienced, high-energy team. Uh, Steve himself is, you know, very, very uh, just high-energy on the ice, really into the game. That's a team that's 
really, really good. And I think you can't sleep on them. I mean, there's no, there, there's no like free spaces on the bingo card, as it were, in an event like this. They played really, really well. Uh, came through, I believe, on the uh, B side from the challenge round. And uh, you know, they're they're good. I think they can win some games. Um, playoffs, I think they'll be kind of in the mix of the playoffs. Uh, at the end of the day, I personally probably have them on the outside looking in. But, you know, a, one game here or there difference could easily have them in. No question. Yeah, as I was looking at the Berkeley rink, and they have a 12-10 and 10 record on tour this year, which is it's pretty solid um, considering that I, they hadn't been a team that really ch- uh, traveled that much before. Um, so I, I think that this is a, a good opportunity for them, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about what I think their playoff chances are in just a second. So um, you have any thoughts, Mark, on this team before we head yeah. to uh, predictions? Yeah, I, mean, I would agree with Sean that I don't see them as a playoff team. I mean, they are they did well at the challenge round and uh, qualified through the B side, as Sean said. And so they're you know they've played they're familiar with the the teams on the field. They've got a two and four record against the other teams they beat. Uh, Burr, they're one and one against Burr, and they uh, they beat Brundage too. So uh, you know they're they're familiar with the uh, the other teams in the field, and I think that counts for something here. That this they're they're not going to be too. Uh, you know, starstruck or anything like that, being out there on nationals. These are teams they've played before. So, um, you know, I think that counts for something. And I don't see them as a playoff team, but, you know, they, they can be competitive. Playoffs? Playoffs? Let's talk playoffs. <laughs> Sean, who do you have as your playoff teams, the four teams you think are going to make the playoffs on the men's side of the field? Well, uh, if I'm looking at the field and just based off of uh, who I think is playing well and who's got the experience, I don't think there's any way that you leave out uh, Ruinen and Schuster. I'm going to call them Team Ruinen because Richie is the skip. That's just the way I'm going to go with it. I like definitely Schuster, Ruinen in the playoffs. Uh, this this men's field will have four teams, standard page playoff. I like Fenner to be in the playoffs too. They've had a really solid year and um, – they seem to make that lineup work. Mark Fenner calls the game and throws second because Corey, you know, Corey throw the last rock. He likes to sweep too. Uh, the fourth place, the, well, fourth playoff team, not necessarily. I'm, I have to think about that one a little bit, but I think I'm going to go with Burr for the four, for the fourth playoff spot. So Schuster, Ruin, and Fenner, Burr. Those are my four playoff teams. Okay, Mark, what do you what do you got? Yeah, I think you're going to hear a broken record from me here in that, yeah, I, I think Schuster and Ruin, I think I have to be the the favorites to certainly be in the 1-2 matchup. And I think with the page system, I think it's it's just interesting that uh, it's, you know, one or you, you really de- you definitely want to be in that one or two spot to have a little cushion there and avoid having to be the, the single elimination if you're in the 3-4 game. So I think that'll add an added element of drama here to see if, you know, Fenner or another team can – knock one of those two teams out of there but i do like schuster and ruinen for sure yeah fenner's my third team and like i said before it kind of came down to a, a flip of the coin before dunham and burr i like both of those teams for the number four spot but i'm just in, you know, talking about what sean was saying before and just the, the experience and the just someone would have a cool customer uh, todd burr is here i i uh, i like his chances so i'm going to go with uh, burr for the fourth spot all right so you guys have exactly the same four picks so here here are my picks um, and those were written down before you even asked me that question, so we didn't we didn't compare notes beforehand. That's okay. Uh, <laughs> it, it's fine. I, my top two teams are also Schuster and and uh, Ruinen. 
And Burr is going to be probably my number three team. But really what's going to happen is Burr is going to be part of a four-way tie. You didn't really think we were going to get out of this without a four-way tie, did you? Um, So Burr is going to be tied with Berklid, Fenner, and Dunham. And I think that Berklid and Burr are going to make it out of that somehow. And that's so that, so Schuster, Persinger, Berklid, and Burr are my four. All right. So who are your finalists? Uh, Sean, go for it. Uh, you know, well, I'll just pick the teams, but I will preface it by saying that it's going to depend a lot on whether or not uh, Burr's team really turns it up. Because if Todd turns it up, he can beat absolutely anybody. But that said, I'm going to say the final is going to be, you know, Snore, Ruin, and Schuster, the obvious top two teams there, I think. All right. Mark? Yeah, I, I have to agree with that. I think they're, you know, Schuster being the gold medalist and Ruin and uh, having won nationals last year and pretty handily. Um, well, maybe it was, I mean, he had 9 1 record, and I think McCormick had the same record too last year going into the finals. But he ran the table pretty much, and uh, I think he's only lost the whole. Nationals last year was to Burr, but I, I see Schuster and Ruin in the finals. Okay, and so it's going to be three for three here, as I also am going to be picking Schuster and Ruin in to make the finals. So, who do you got to win, Sean? Oh boy, uh, you know it's it's I don't know. I almost need to flip a coin. I think these teams are really really evenly matched. Um, I think I'm going to go with Ruin to defend and win a second straight. Okay, Mark, who do you got? You know, I, again, I, I we didn't compare notes beforehand, but I, I like Ruinin as well. I think uh, when Richie gets focused, I think uh, he gets the sights set on a on a goal, and then I, I like his chances. He's curling well, and I mean, obviously Schuster's an excellent team Olympic gold medalist. But I think uh, I like Richie's chances. I'm going to go with Ruinin too. All right. Well, I, this is where we disagree. I'm going to go with Schuster. But I'm going to give it a caveat. If Richie Ruinin somehow makes it into this podcast before we post it, then I'm going to change my uh, change my uh, vote to Ruinin. <laughs> he has a tendency to somehow figure out a way to get into the podcast right before national. So you never know. Um, but I'm, I'm going with Schuster. I think that their, um, their experience uh, is just a little bit better right now. And I do think that they are on a roll so far this season. So I do think that they're going to kind of close it out. And that's uh, that's my pick, Team Schuster. So, guys, thanks so much for that. Let's do a couple quick hitters before we get out of here. Who you got for the Super Bowl, uh, Sean? Is it Patriots or Rams? It's not the Patriots, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> All right, Mark, what do you got? Same thing, I, Rams. I can't, I can't in good conscience pick the the Patriots. It's, it's the Rams all the way. I'm ramming it. It's really, really Attaboy. funny that you both are picking uh, against the Patriots. Now, normally we would go three for three here. But um, because I hate the Patriots more than just about anything in the world. Um, But I'm hopeful. I'm really, really hopeful, even though I heard today that that Tom Brady won't retire if he wins. I'm still hoping that he will. And if that happens, then the Bills have a much better chance of making the playoffs in the future. So I am going with the Patriots against my better judgment. Um, So that's that's our Super Bowl picks. A couple other quick hitters. Uh, Toyota has become an official sponsor for USA Curling. That's terrific. You know, we need more high-level sponsors. Uh, a car company. I mean, that's that's big time. That's something. Uh, I'm pretty excited about that. Curling World Cup leg three in Sweden. The U.S. teams competing this week are Fenner, Christensen, and the Hamiltons. So, hopefully, there won't be a whole lot of jet lag as they get back. Uh, so we've got a bunch of teams overseas right before nationals. This is kind of interesting. 
Um, this week, we welcomed Heather Curling Club to TESN. So Heather uh, Curling Club, where U.S. Senior Nationals is going to be taking place, is joined on as an affiliate. So uh, thank you for uh, joining on Heather Curling Club and, and check them out uh, throughout the season. Uh, again, want to congratulate Sean for his qualifying for the Mixed Nationals in Denver. Uh, congratulations, man. Uh, it's thank you. Well-deserved. You guys had a really good run. Uh, went undefeated, as I remember. Yeah. Very good. Yes, congratulations, Sean. Thanks, man. want to just mention that the TESN coverage of U.S. Nationals begins Saturday, February 9th on usacurl.org. Be sure to follow 12th End Sports on Twitter and Facebook for updates, behind-the-scenes photos and videos, and schedule changes. So you never know. We always uh, schedule those uh, feature matchups, but things change during the week sometimes. You want to want to keep up to date by checking us out on Facebook and Twitter. And while you're there, make sure you share the webcast schedule for Nationals, which will be posted shortly. Anything else, guys, as we're heading out the door here? Don't think so. Sounds like looking, looking forward to Nationals. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, too. I want to thank you guys both for joining me uh, today on the podcast. Uh, and thanks you, thank you to our audience for downloading. Remember to tell your friends about the podcast and give us a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps people find our show. Until next week, from Kalamazoo, good curling. Thanks for being with us on this edition of the Extra Extra In Podcast with Price Atkinson and Joe Calabrese. Follow the 12th In Sports Network crew on Twitter and Facebook to stay up on our weekly contests, giveaways, guests, and for upcoming episodes of the Extra Extra In Podcast. The NBA is back. Where else can you get this type of drama? Where else does history hang from the Raptors? Jalen Brown throws it down. Where else is your own city? Home to your biggest rival. The battle of LA is real, people. And 30 feet is still in range. Hurry, action! Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? Let's get it out of here. Where else is history still in the making? Oh my goodness! Where else? The NBA, only here. Season begins tonight on TNT. Between prepping ingredients, setting the table, and planning your tomorrow, sometimes you need an extra hand with dinner. Delta Faucet is here to help. Just ask your connected home device to fill your pasta pot with Delta Faucet Voice IQ technology and fill it with the perfect amount of water. Done. Visit deltafaucet.com voiceiq to see how Voice IQ can fill your dog's bowl, wash your hands, and more.